Bloody hell, what a week. It's Chappie, the British butler here. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And um, we try not to get overly political on the programme. Uh, we like to keep it uh, fairly satirical, um, but not, uh, not overly political. But, I mean, what a week. I mean, we haven't had anything like this since the, uh, the War of 1812 and when the British burnt down the White House in 1814. Probably shouldn't be showing my face at this moment. But, uh, but one thing I'll say, um, and that was pretty damn awful, um, but at least we were dressed better than the reprobates who stormed the Capitol. I mean, you had uh, mock Vikings, hair suits, Bad tattoos with probably old girlfriends' names on there that they tried to cross out. Um, I mean, very, very bad, unkempt beards. I don't think there was a stick of deodorant amongst them. They were literally the douchebag dingleberries of all dingleberries, without a doubt. But there we go. That's, uh, that's what we have uh, in this awful week that will never be, uh, never be forgotten. Um, somebody uh, did send me uh, a, little, uh, a little snippet um, that I want to plagiarize completely. In the end, Trump cost Republicans a presidency, the Senate, the House. That bastard actually did it. He made America great again. Uh, that was uh, over Twitter. Um, but it does remind me of like Joker being 2020, um, you know, resigning at the end of the year and showing Pennywise, who's 2021, round the joint, you know, showing him the ins and outs. I mean, that's the sort of horror show that we, we basically had uh, this week um, and obviously the last year as well. So anyway, uh, it is the 50th edition of the podcast. Um, we are going to have a, a sort of mini celebration here um, over the course uh, of the next uh, uh, podcast millennia, however long that is. Um, of course, fanfare to introduce Chappie into the paddock. I do have a very shiny coat today, I have to say. I haven't shaved. Uh, I am going to try to grow out my uh, my stubble and my beard to sort of a, a Clint Eastwood standard. I do want to... One of, my, one of my things I want to try this year is I want to try to toss cards into a hat, be able to do that, and I want to light a match on my stubble. These are some ambitious plans that I have uh, I wouldn't say resolutions, but ambitious plans that we have uh, uh, this year uh, before the close of the year. These are things that I definitely want to do. Um, it wouldn't be me without opening a bottle of uh, Dom Perignon uh, live on the podcast. Um, uh, it's a Dom Perignon 68. It would have been a 69 if I was expecting you. You know what? Let, let's, let's, open, let's open two here. There we go. Let's guzzle that, we'll guzzle that down over the course of the next... Uh, I have been allowed in my butler nook uh, a selection of uh, fireworks that I'm going to light off in celebration of, uh, you know, of the 50th podcast that we have here. So we've got to have a little bit of uh, fireworks, a few bangers going off, a few Catherine wheels. So whilst we let those uh, small little uh, incendiary devices 
go off. I mean, to be honest, they're, uh, they're, they're British bangers that I let overcook and they didn't prick. So they're firing up into the air, all the fat and goodness and everything else here. Um, but, but, you know, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today and, and some of the gifts that I have for my half-centenary um, celebration um, is, is, you know, it, it is. It's a half-century. It's, it's a steady, grinded-out half-century, as we would say in cricket here. No flashy shots. Well, maybe a few. Maybe a few little nicks through the slip uh, that ran along the ground for four. Um, but, uh, but, but yes, I mean, I have had been recognized for this huge feat of 50 shows, 50 podcasts, with people still actually listening. Um, the, 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 the Queen, Her Majesty, the Queen, who, who is available for 12 days. She's actually giving us, a, a, in America here, a discount, 12-day discount, um, where she'll take charge for 12 days. And then, uh, and then hand the reins over to, to, to President Biden. Uh, but, you know, answers on a postcard if you want that to happen, maybe. Um, but the Queen, Her Majesty, did give me an antique paddle for us that she used or has used over the years and, and, uh, and some of her ancestors have used for spanking naughty subjects. It's very well worn. It does take me back to my boarding school days, so it's, I'm slightly perturbed by the whole idea. I may need a, a little bit of therapy uh, to uh, to get over the, the whole uh, paddle situation here. Um, and then and then we did have um, the Hoff. The Hoff decided to um, give me a, a couple of uh, a couple of gifts here. He gave me a couple of gifts. Um, one was his uh, his beige skin tone corset that he used to wear on Baywatch and. Uh, and keep all of the all of the unnecessaries tucked away there. Um, and um, he, he gave me a retro Baywatch uh, pair of swimming shorts. It does have the perished netting, so um, the, the balls used to hang up high, I'm sure, and uh, now they've dropped, and, 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 the, and the netting is now perished. Uh, Barry Manilow, Baza Manilow, uh, gave me a bespoke face mask for the larger man in the honker area. Uh, it's a little stretchy, just for flared nostrils. Uh, and, uh, and Henry VIII, um, uh, he came back in time in a in a sort of uh, medieval TARDIS, and he gave me his uh, his ceremonial uh, cod piece. Um, it's got slight uh, slight cosmetic damage uh, from when he was hoisted aloft onto his trusty steed. Um, so there we go, lovely gifts. Thank you very much. I'm very proud and happy to be here on the 50th anniversary. Um, Things that we may or may not be talking about today, and we're going to have another podcast tomorrow. It is a slight New Year's resolution, which I'll probably break to do two podcasts a week. We'll see if that uh, that happens. Um, uh, the, the, the safe words that we didn't cover, the safe words that American uh, Americans cannot say. Um, is it okay to eat old mince pies? Uh, Maggie's uh, taking up a, a rather nasty habit. We'll be talking about that. Uh, how am I? How am I stop, stopping slipping and sliding on the ice here in Colorado? Um, we do have um, a, uh, a heinous crime, which we like to call Trump or trombone in terms of headline crimes. Uh, how to train your dog to pee while on a leash? Uh, we'll be covering that as well. The site where Henry VIII fell from grace. Um, thirsty Russians get a taste of uh, Soviet sobering up stations. How to avoid gout, eat cherries and uh, stock up in vinegar. You know, it's a, obviously a show of a man of a certain age when we're talking about getting rid of gout. Um, land of punt. 
Baboon Old in uh, Two uh, Souls Trade Mysteries, and the Woolly Rhinoceros from 20,000 years ago is defrosted in Russia. How exciting! And uh, some of the uh, some of Prince Philip's ten most snarkiest quotes as well. Uh, welcome along to the program. It's Keep Calming Cauliflower Cheese. It's number fifty. It's five zero, and you're very welcome. Uh, make yourself comfortable. There's not much room in the butler's nook. I'll open it up so you can stretch your legs out and enjoy the podcast. So we do love a little bit of old Henry the Eighth. Eighth, I am, I am um, on the podcast. But it's been discovered the site where Henry the Eighth fell from grace. Radar has identified the jousting field that may have left the king with poor impulse control. I mean, he had poor impulse control through all the affairs that he had through his uh, through his marriage, I guess, as well. Um, suffer, something that uh, some of us do suffer from now and again. Um, the site of an accident in 1536 is believed to have changed the course of English history and has been discovered using ground-penetrating radar. Now, that's what I should have asked for Christmas, a ground-penetrating radar. It sounds uh, rather lovely. The uh, tilt yard at Greenwich Palace was Henry VIII's favourite playground. He was badly injured, however, during a bout of jousting. A bout of uh, jousting and gousting and gouting. Uh, a fall in which the king's legs were crushed beneath his horse left him unconscious for two hours. Scholars suggest that Henry uh, suffered brain damage that exacerbated the more tyrannical tendencies. Maybe, maybe, maybe Trump's a jouster. Do you think he jousts? I mean, they couldn't find probably jobbers big enough or maybe a trusty uh, steed to hold his girth. But Henry VIII was uh, fairly big. Not at that time, though. The uh, precise location of the contest was lost after the Tudor res- uh, uh, residence, also known as the uh, uh, the Palace of Palencia, the Pleasant Palace, uh, was demolished. A survey of the lawns of the Queen's House, a 17th century former royal residence beside the Thames, has located the remains of two octagonal viewing towers known to have overlooked the jousting field. The researchers used radar to find the post holes that may have marked the line and a fence down the middle of the track where Henry and his nobles clashed in heavy armour. It was here on January the 24th, 1536, that the king suffered the jousting defeat that is believed to have aggravated uh, varicose ulcers in his legs that may have uh, resulted in a serious brain injury. The uh, incident in which Henry was unhorsed by an unknown opponent is also considered the turning point in which the ruler famed for his sporting prowess good looks and jovial spirit, much in my formative years, I suppose, became increasingly irascible, tyrannical, and uh, corpulent. One account uh, has it that the shock of the fall caused Henry the, uh, uh, the Amberlin, his queen, to miscarry. She was tried that spring on re- uh, charges of treason, adultery, and incest. Research at Yale University speculated in 2016 that brain injuries from the accident and to a lesser extent another jousting incident in 1524 might have said to train his health problems such as frequent headaches, poor impulse control and impotence. Um, that's sort of the mighty triumvirate there, right there. Um, but the location on land owned by Royal Museums Greenwich will enable archaeologists to excavate and discover more about the structure and the other buildings of the Tudor Palace complex, which was demolished in the 17th century. That was around the time of Cromwell, when Cromwell decided to uh, take all the palaces down. So that's what I think where my uh, my prized uh, uh, present codpiece was probably dug up uh, there. I mean, it could have been the last codpiece that Henry VIII wore before he became impotent. Who knows? I mean, it's... Uh, Probably an unlucky cod piece in that sense, I would say. Uh, but there we go. More Henry VIII news here on the podcast. Um, but that's where he got his little jousting injuries from. 
um, you know, that's that sort of, uh, I guess, medieval beginnings of uh, sort of cockfighting. But they still haven't found... Um, they still haven't found the opponent, though. You know, maybe it could have been a Marvel superhero of some sort. That could be another spin-off and for Marvel DC. You could have uh, the the, uh, the the superhero who defeated the tyrannical king. So I've found in my sort of elderly years here. Well, not hardly elderly. I'm in only forty, and so I guess I'm in the prime of my life. One would say, but but I, I started drooling. I mean, it, it seems to be a real problem where I'm soaking the pillow at night uh, with excess drool. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. Have I got my mouth open and I'm like snoring or something, you know, causing the drool to displace and go everywhere? I don't know, but I have an extra wet mouth these days. And it's sort of unexplainable. I think I may need to start thinking about getting some sort of spittoon um, uh, next to the bed or maybe, uh, maybe a horse's feedback to catch all the drool that uh, seems to spill out of my mouth. During the night, maybe I'm talking a lot in my sleep, and that's why there seems to be excess drool everywhere. But it's a highly embarrassing complaint, and maybe, as I said, it's maybe because I'm of that certain age. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have a list here of top 10 strange things banned around the world. Coming at number 10, we have in Greece video games. The Greek government banned all video games across the country since 2002. The government intends to stop illegal gambling, which accidentally leads to ban, led them to ban video games. In nine, Malaysia yellow clothing. Wearing yellow that may be anything, your shoes, hats, t-shirts, even your boxer shorts is completely illegal in Malaysia. Yellow color is considered the color of protesters. Uh, number eight, Denmark naming a child. Denmark imposing some rules for parents to naming their babies in a place to keep safe the Danish children from odd names, which your, uh, your mother might fancy uh, giving you. You can choose a name from a list of 24,000 names, some for boys, some for girls. Um, in, in, in case you want to name a child of your own, you have to get permission for an individual name from government officials. Coming in at number seven, Western haircuts. The Iranian government decided to ban several things, uh, Western music, rap music, skinny jeans, pets, cats and dogs, tattoos. Uh, but Western haircuts comes in at the forefront amongst the bunches of annoying things, uh, including ponytails, spiked hair, mullets. You know something? I don't mind about mullets being banned. Number six, uh, China, Jasmine. Uh, the Chinese regime has banned Jasmine from mainland China. People are not allowed to sell it, grow it and speak about it. Uh, five in uh, Burundi, uh, jogging. It seems that if you jog in the early morning, uh, you can, it can result in uh, life imprisonment. In France, they have banned uh, ketchup. French students will no, be able, no longer be able to taste the glorious gloop on their lunch. Uh, school cafeterias in France banned ketchup because the government felt teenagers were consuming too much of it. Uh, coming in uh, at number three, uh, Australia has banned uh, small breast pornography. Uh, the Lound Down Under is an independent country, but they have some weird rules. Uh, but they only uh, only allowed uh, pornography with larger endowments. Uh, and then Saudi Arabia, uh, they banned um, everything for women, it seems. And in North Korea, they have banned almost everything. Although in this picture, Kim Jong-un is standing next to um, a rather um, endowed lady. So obviously that was not banned uh, for Kim Jong-un. Oh, yes. That's, uh, that's them coming to arrest King Jalan for doing something that's illegal in his own country. So we like to be a, a public service here and keep calming cauliflower cheese. So now we have how to train your dog to pee whilst on a leash. And this could probably be used for people who are drunk 
who are maybe on a leash and need to be walked home or something. Uh, but they probably cannot be trained, I would say. Um, but uh, getting started, to begin training your pooch to pee on a leash, you need some high-value treats such as boiled chicken, hot dogs, or cheese. I mean, why would you want to carry that stink your pockets out? If you're teaching your eight-week-old eight uh, pupper to pee on a leash straight away, it'd be a good idea to fence off an area of the room and keep him in it so, uh, so he's unattended, so it's easier to see him sh um, showing you signs um, of what he can do on the leash and what he can't. When he has an accident inside, you need to correct him but not scare him, so make sure your voice is firm and authoritative. Uh, but not frightening. Uh, when he does his business on the leash, make sure your voice is rewarding. I mean, I need to sort of practice the authoritative and the rewarding voice, I think. Uh, step one, understand your pooch. Different breeds will have different frequencies when they need to go. Step two, watch their behavior. Keeping a close eye on the puppy means that you can watch for behavioral signs that they're about to go. Sniffing, scratching, circling, and whining. Uh, number three, uh, stop him off leash. When he has an accident and pees off leash, stop him by saying no and clapping or making a noise to put him off. God, you have to be pretty quick to do that, I think. Uh, four, choose a designated area. Choose a particular area outside and consistently take him uh, off the leash to avoid confusion. Uh, praise when he goes on the leash. Uh, give him a tasty treat, uh, maybe that piece of cheese or hot dog that you stored in your pocket, but don't uh, store it in there for too long uh, or you won't want to wear the coat again. And number six, introduce a command. If you like, once he uh, got to grips with peeing on a leash, you can even get him to associate it with a command such as pee or go. He'll pee on the leash when you use the command. I've seen people actually um, train dogs to ring a bell at the door when they need to go out. Now that is pretty phenomenal. And uh, certainly whoever does that needs to be uh, um, commended about training a pooch. I think uh, my, my dogs are, are pretty naughty in that area. And, um, and I have to admit, I do have a nature pee now and again, so I'm obviously not very well trained either. Thirsty Russians get a taste of Soviet sobering up stations. Russia is to revive a Soviet-era network of sobering up stations after politicians complained that the public drunkenness has severe, reached a severe situation in many parts of the country. Alcohol consumption had fallen 40% during President Putin's two-decade rule, but sales of vodka rose 65% in the spring lockdown. Um, this week, Mr. Putin uh, approved plans to bring back uh, the uh, sobrietors uh, that were created in Tsarist Russia and became a major institution in the Soviet Union. The facilities, uh, the sobri sobrietors uh, facility where uh, severely inebriated Russians picked off the streets, could sleep and could be monitored by nurses were closed in 2011. But uh, MPs said that sobering up stations were needed to deal with citizens in public places in a state of intoxication who've lost the ability to move independently or navigate the environment. People who stay in the uh, stay in these sobrators will be liable for a charge of uh, 1,500 rubles. That's $15 a night. Um, retailers in uh, in Moscow are petitioning the mayor to lift a ban on selling alcohol on, on, online. Um, but anyway, I mean, it, I, I don't. I mean, the thing is, though. I mean, if you were moderately drunk and next to somebody who was completely inebriated, throwing up everywhere, I mean, that would be, do they p provide the, the bags to throw up in? But that would be a pretty awful place to sort of clean up the next day uh, when, you, uh, when you're stuck next to Stalin or Lenin, who it probably had even more of a skinful than you did. And, um, and also, I wonder, you know, how we were talking last time about hangovers. I mean, what's a Russian equivalent to a full English breakfast? I mean, is it is it sort of hair of the dog? You need more vodka, and then you have to go back into the sobriety station again. 
I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe something pickled. I know in Eastern Europe they do like a lot of pickled things, and pickled juice is meant to uh, is meant to you know solve uh, all sorts of uh, issues that, that one may have when it comes to being hungover and drunk. Who knows? So a baboon older than a tooth saves uh, the trade mystery. Uh, for a thousand years, the ancient Egyptians obtained luxury goods from the land of Punt, a mysterious faraway region that provided them with incense, gold, and leopard skins. Punt would serve as a setting for what has been known as the world's first fantasy story, an Egyptian epic known as the tale of the shipwrecked sailor. Modern scholars are sure Punt did exist and have been debating its whereabouts. The mystery now appears to have been solved after testing a 3,000-year-old baboon skull that has been in the British Museum since 1837. A piece of the tooth taken from the skull, which originally founded in the Egyptian city of Thebes, was analysed by looking at the isotopes of oxygen and strontium. Yeah, the researchers have been able to establish that the baboon spent its early years in the area of East Africa, now known as Ethiopia, uh, Somalia, uh, around the Yemen area. Wall paintings and hieroglyphics indicate that Punt was once an important uh, source of uh, live baboons, which Egyptians regarded as, uh, as sacred creatures. Hopefully they didn't have the whole situation of the baboon throwing poop at them uh, every day. Um, uh, they probably wouldn't be regarded quite as sacred at that point, I would say, in time. So uh, Prince Philip's uh, 10 snarkiest quotes have been ranked. The real-life Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, is known for his witty comebacks and sharp sarcasm. So it's no wonder this quality would be explored for comedic purpose in The Crown. So we have our uh, top 10 snarkiest uh, Prince Philip comments. Coming at number 10. You've raised looking the other way into a whole art form. Uh, coming at number 9. Any honest parent would admit to having a favourite. Number eight. She's run out of tonic, been knocked up by one of the footmen. Number seven. Could you just make some excuse and say I'm off sinning somewhere? Number six. They delivered as astronauts, but they disappointed as human beings. Number five. Why does everyone think that just being, just because we're royal, we like fine dining? Uh, number four. That's the last thing the country needs. Two women running the shop. That was a reference to his wife and uh, Thatcher. Um, number three. I'm currently outranked by my eight-year-old son. And number two. I thought you were hoping for more children from me. Then why on earth would you do something like that to your hair? And number one. Am I the only man in this country whose wife and children don't take his name? What a cheeky chappy. So, as always, I do love exploring the social dilemma, and this is a social dilemma section of the show, where my devices have been watching me. Um, it's almost a little Doctor Who-like, uh, Space Odyssey-like, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, but here we go again. So this is on Instagram, and I was talking to my mother at the time, and it suddenly popped up. Uh, and it comes from the vintage gentleman. A luxury tea to experience. The tradition of men enjoying a quality cup of tea to relax and reflect has been around for generations. We want to keep that tradition by going to the newest tea blend designed for the modern day gentleman. Inspired by a combination of Winston Churchill's favourite tea and Scotch whisky, this black tea blend has notes of smoke, citrus, cherry and clove and make for an excellent luxury in your day. So that was the first one. Um, but then, th then I think the social dilemma went slightly wrong because it advertised the cut back 
sweatpant. I would never wear that baggy abomination on my body. Um, I mean, maybe a sweat trouser with pleats, potentially. Um, so, yes. And then it was advertising pinks, pigs and blankets flavor mayonnaise. I don't think I would want a, uh, a slightly sausage tasting uh, mayonnaise on anything particularly. Uh, so I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be doing that indeed. Um, but uh, but I did find my new hero of the week. Um, it was a gentleman in a uh, leopard skin uh, uh, negligee or nightgown uh, who was walking out of Aldi's uh, British supermarket carrying uh, two boxes of 24 Corona. Uh, and a lot of people already calling him uh, him the hero uh, of, uh, of everything. So that's a sort of social dilemma situation that we have going on. Uh, there will be uh, there will be more uh, coming up on a podcast near you very soon. So uh, back in 2021, we do have our historical Tinder competition and game, uh, and this week's contestant is Pope John the uh, the twelfth. Um, even by his lax standards of the medieval papacy, uh, John the twelfth stands out as a disaster of the highest order. Uh, he was elected Pope at the ripe old of age 18 as a part of a political deal with the Roman nobility, and he inherited a conflict uh, for control of Italy between the papacy and the Italian king Bengarius. Uh, John had the support of the powerful uh, German Emperor Otto I, who swore to defend John's title, but John himself was too taken up with a life of drunken sex parties uh, in the Lateran to care much either way. He recovered from his hangover enough to accept Otto's oath of undying loyalty, then promptly linked back up Otto's uh, Otto back up with his enemies, Bengarius. Uh, understandably annoyed, Otto had John overthrown and accused, among other things, of simony, clerical corruption, murder, perjury and incest and he was replaced with a new pope, uh, Leo VIII. However, John made a comeback and had Leo's supporters punished ruthlessly. One cardinal had his hand cut off and he had a bishop whipped. A full-scale war broke out between John and Otto uh, until John unexpectedly died in a bed with another man's wife, or so rumour had it. So uh, in historical Tinder, uh, it's the axe swinging to the left or the right or the guillotine. Um, uh, in this case, I mean, he, uh, he he died having a little bit of uh, a little bit of fun. One would have to say here. Yes, yeah, so he did. He, you know, it was no uh, no skull crushing action uh, on the part of this dear Pope. So now we have the uh, infamous uh, headline competition: Trump or trombone, where we take uh, a foghorn Trump or fart. Uh, no, we actually take he, he and his headline crimes of the week and create them with a very sad wah-wah trombone or uh, possibly a trump. Um, so that's uh, that's the name and the rules of the game uh, here uh, for uh, for Trump or trombone. And uh, first up today, we have the naked fugitive found in crocodile-infested waters near Darwin in Australia, charged with fresh offences. Um, a naked alleged fugitive found by two fishermen sitting on a tree branch in, Australia, in Australian crocodile-infested waters have been slapped with additional charges of bail and aggravated assault. Uh, Cam Faust said on uh, th- uh, Wednesday that he and fellow recreational fisher Kev Joyner heard Luke uh, Verneski uh, yell for hope as a help as they set crab traps from uh, the dinghy. Uh, I wonder if he had a crab trap round his cram jewels, mate, on the outskirts of the northern city of Darwin. Uh, Faust said who was covered in mud, cuts and insect bites, exclaimed on Sunday they had been lost for four days, survived eating snails and used his clothes for bits and pieces over uh, all over the place. Uh, it didn't make any sense. He had a nest up a tree. He was uh, laying a meter above the water where crocodiles are in the water. 
um, and uh, joined us said the friends uh, hesitated for bringing Vronesky on board their uh, small aluminium boat. Uh, once we see how bad he was, how many cuts he had, he was very dehydrated and very weak. Uh, Falster said he had stripped to his underwear and handed Vronesky his shorts and a beer uh, as the trio made their way back to Darwin. Um, but then uh, the police arrived and uh, uh, Vronesky had been free on bail after being charged with armed robbery and the alleged had been cut off, uh, cut off his electronic monitoring device when he started uh, uh, meandering around in a crocodile infested swamp. So, uh, so naked fugitive found in crocodile infested uh, waters. Uh, that could have ended up in crocodile tears before bedtime. As the Aussies say, he might have ended up a bit croc. And a dog owner spots Donald Trump's face in Pet's ear, complete with a blonde hairdo. Uh, the current president's face has been spotted inside a dog's ear, and this isn't for the first time. One Reddit user horrified commented by showing the creepy resemblance. Uh, social media users were horrified at the discovery of the current US president inside the Pet's ear. One Reddit, Reddit commentator uh, said, Oh, bugger, uh, didn't know I should be horrified, uh, but now I should start getting horrified. Uh, another user attempted to explain the reason. It's not actually that surprising as much uh, as uh, every um, uh, fold in the inner part of the ear uh, it makes it look like Donald Trump and it looks like an awful lot of humans so I guess Trump's face is very foldy and jowly and the rest of it I guess the hair on the top makes this one a bit more incredible though um, <laughs> and it truly does look like a scrunched up angry Donald Trump um, but uh, others found humor in the piece. I think Trump Trump crawled out of the dog's ear instead of being born in the regular way, was another user. Um, but, you know, that may be one of the senses that could be worth losing if Trump is appearing in the hound's ear. The hound actually has uh, Trump-like ears, and I'm sure the dog's never going to listen. Um, maybe uh, Trump's face in a dog's ass might be more apt. And I think this is possibly the sickest story I've ever seen or heard. Uh, is in the Daily Star, and we can't really commend the Daily Star for very much, uh, especially on this occasion. Uh, sick prankster advertises a certain excreted human yeast as a sourdough starter uh, made from uh, something his girlfriend. Anyway, um, we're not going to go into too many details on that. Um, using human yeast would probably uh, make me low carb forever. Um, I would uh, go back to banana bread rather than the sourdough, I think. Uh, wait, if, if this guy is going to be involved in making any sort of banana bread, then I'm actually going to start fasting forever. So we do like to talk about dogs on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. So I, I just, this, is, this is a slight warning to you all, um, is I was like uh, getting rid of some uh, waste. There were some Brussels sprouts that, uh, that fell onto the floor. And um, now we all know the effect Brussels sprouts probably have on human beings. On dogs, it is like the fourth 10 from Navarone uh, or an atomic bomb going off. Do not let dogs ever, ever eat Brussels sprouts. Um, it, was, it was a slightly sort of unfortunate situation. And, um, and uh, it, I, I still haven't got over the situation yet. It, it's, it's something that is indigestible for dogs and uh, humans as well. So how many of your neighbors at the moment still have their Christmas decoration and lights up? It's a real pain to uh, to take down uh, the uh, the Christmas decorations. Um, and then it, these people who are like Christmas of the Cranks have put up uh, probably, um, it looks like Blackpool Illuminations or the Eiffel Tower lit up at night, and they have to take all of that down. But I was reading in the week, uh, in the Times, a view on Twelfth Night, 
tree felling. Festive decorations should come down uh, sooner rather than later, and if you'll agree with this or not. Twelfth night is traditional. To some that means the fifth day of January, the eve of the Feast of Epiphany. Some swear by the sixth, others do it in, with unseemly haste stripping bare before Boxing Day, that's the tree, not themselves. Uh, consensus on when the Christmas tree and tinsel should come down is as elusive as uh, on any issue that divides families over dinner. Few, uh, however, will have relished the symbolic end of the brief period of comfort and joy to a miserable year uh, 2020. So how about keeping and decking the halls for another month? Maintaining festive trappings so long into the new year may seem like a proposal from the Wizards School of Wishful Thinking, but it's what English heritage suggests as an antidote to the uh, January blues. Uh, a bus of holly will go untouched as its properties until Candlemas. That's February the 2nd. An attempt to uh, brighten up a month, it, it complains, is defined by uh, uh, penitence and self-denial. Until the 17th century, the feast was considered the traditional end of the Christmas season. Indeed, in Catholic and High Anglican churches, cribs stayed up until then, long after the baubles uh, re were reinterred and uh, the loft and hangovers had abated. Alas, times have changed. Once garlands of holly and ivy, hardy perennials adorned British homes, their replacement by the Christmas tree meant decorations drooped and died much earlier. Just as shop uh, bought tinsel loses its sparkle, tales from folklore were uh, repurposed as Puritan urgings against excess and fears that malevolent goblins would take up residence in sprigs of greenery left up any longer than scripture demanded. The result was a sharp end of the season is now the norm. Thinking this is a sensible thing to do is not a mark of Scrooge. Good things must come to an end if new beginnings to realise their potential. But in the case of many suburban light displays, bad and ugly things too. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think we should keep them up as you get the January blues. I'm going to be talking a little bit on the podcast tomorrow. One way uh, that I'm uh, overcoming the uh, January blues or trying to. But I think we should leave them up till ca uh, uh, Candlemas, uh, February the 2nd. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Get through January. February's a little bit brighter. And, uh, and leave up the uh, decorations until then. Um, but uh, possibly not eating mince pies until then. And again, I'll be talking that, uh, about that on the podcast tomorrow as well. So the uh, curious butler's mind does like to uh, wander on an occasion. And I was thinking about uh, safe words, as one does in polite company, I suppose. Um, and probably maybe the worst safe words uh, uh, for certain individuals here. And I was, I was thinking that, you know, if if somebody was strict in the in the terms of the the uh, guidance of safe words, um, then uh, then you know a, a British uh, a British uh, uh, fairly strict authoritarian in terms of the safe word um, when one should say tomato and an American says tomato that could probably cause problems uh, as does uh, potato. And uh, anybody who ever says potato anymore uh, in terms of safe words. But the one that would cause the biggest issue amongst all Americans, and I've done a poll of, 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 of many an American, uh, and the, the hardest one of all is Worcestershire sauce. And I repeat again, slowly, Worcestershire sauce. Try it. Repeat it after me. Worcestershire sauce. Uh, so Worcestershire sauce as a safe word, if you ever come to use Worcestershire sauce as a safe word. It might be slightly hot, stingy sort of alternative for those sort of situations, probably not best advised. But uh, Worcestershire sauce would be very, very difficult because uh, Americans end up sounding like a leprechaun. They're washashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashashash
It's like, get your hands on my washashashashasa sauce. Uh, or my lucky charms, indeed. Um, but uh, that, that's it, it would be an abomination. It would be a terrible safe word for Americans, uh, the said Worcestershire sauce. So January blues are real. Holidays are over, meaning it's back to work for many people. The festive decorations are all gone. Um, family members and friends who you only see at the holidays are gone. Uh, you may not have done everything you planned over the break. Drinking and eating in excess may have left you feeling sluggish and you put on a bit of weight. It's winter days, the days are short, it's cold, there's a lot of rain or snow. Your New Year's resolutions may be proving hard to stick to. Um, but uh, it lasts a few weeks. A lot of people have this condition, the sad condition. Uh, but there are ways to uh, boost your mood, uh, to get out of the January blues. Um, there's a few simple ways, uh, including recalling positive things you experienced over the holidays and throughout your life. You can also make plans for yourself to have a better year than the previous one. They include plans of self-improvement, being sociable, obviously after COVID, or helping uh, people in need. Uh, finally, uh, finding yourself is fine, and it's fine to be hedonistic sometimes. Get out to nature, even if it's a little uh, walk, uh, take a walk around the block, look for wildlife, enjoy a favorite meal with loved ones, call a friend or a family member to check in, finish the project you started last summer. If you can, uh, you are unique and valuable, so enjoy the beautiful life that you have uh, but I, I i suggest also is um you know there's anti-vaxxers out there obviously as well um but i'm a sort of anti-resolutionist -res anti-new year's resolutionist uh but i i think the way to get out of it and i completely agree is uh, i saw this on um i saw this on uh, on uh, on twitter earlier and it made me <clears throat> very much more positive uh, about uh, about the year ahead here um, and it was actually um, a, a picture of a hot chocolate that was overflowing. It almost looked like a sticky chocolate pudding. The sauce was going absolutely everywhere. The decadent chocolate sauce, cocoa, was uh, sprinkled on the top there. Um, but uh, it is where to find London's most indulgent hot chocolates. They are av available on delivery, apparently, in London. Uh, how to combat the cold weather and satisfy your sweet tooth and the uh, January blues. London's answer is hot chocolate spiked with booze, topped with uh, bright purple whipped cream, and one spilling over with thick melted chocolate. Uh, they do a lot offer DIY kits for social distancing, so you can make it at home as well. But it is the most decadent hot chocolate, and that will uh, solve any uh, condition of January blues, I can assure you. So it's been a pretty awful week, um, but we're going to finish off with two pretty hopeful poems here. Um, this is by Lowry. Despite the storms, beauty arrives like it's going to. Despite the darkness, the light returns. Despite your loss, your heart will be full again. Despite the breaking, your heart will feel like it belongs in the land of joy once more. This is how it'll always be. Keep living. And January Blues by Taylor. Well, yesterday was so very grey. Last night I met my friend and he said, yes, it's been a grey, blue day. Why is that? When it's grey, a blue heart often comes to stay. Today I'm hoping for a blue sky. Perhaps the blueness from my heart will fly to join the colour in the sky and leave my heart with a different hue that was full of joy and true. If only I can remember the colour it was, vibrant pink or gentle green or raucous red, or if it's just a clear uh, canvas on which we write our dreams and paint rainbows of emotion. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, it was uh, lovely to have you here, um, uh, the warmth of your company, uh, through these uh, dark days of January and the, and the difficult week that we've had. Hopefully it's been a little glint of light 
uh, into the into the beginning of the weekend for you. I will be back tomorrow. Um, I will uh, starch my collar. I will press my uh, uh, press my trousers again, making sure there's a nice uh, nice straight crease in them as well. Maybe I'll have a little weekend uh, ascot on or cravat. Uh, just to uh, just to please everybody uh, but I will be here and uh, I'm looking forward to it and uh, look out for that uh, keep calm and cauliflower cheese uh, at keep cheese on Twitter keep calm and cauliflower cheese on Instagram uh, Spotify Apple Music uh, Pandora and all of the platforms there uh, it's chappy out for now and I'll be back again tomorrow so cheerio for now <laughs>